The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. Pastor Kenny uh, began a completion, if, if I can put it that way. Uh, for those of you who are, who are somewhat new among us, we had been preaching through Acts, and then we paused for a good while, and then we picked it up again last week. And so we're going to continue through the summer uh, and finish up Acts. And as I reflected on that, and I, I, I remembered um, we, my wife and I visited one of the small groups that um, we're providing some shepherding for, and we met the, some of the members we hadn't met, and a few of those were, were new and really uh, wouldn't have been here when we, when we were doing Acts. This is, would be new for them. So I wanted to, I wanted to just do a very brief um, context um, for us as we, as, we, as we go through and finish up Acts this summer. And, I, and I'm, I want you to keep these things in mind if you can. Be on the lookout. Be on the lookout for certain things as we, as we go through Acts. You may know that Luke and Acts are basically volume one and volume two. Um, Luke is the one who, companion of Paul, is the one who is the author of both the Gospel of Luke and Acts, and they really go together. They're written to a person. They're written to Theophilus. We don't know anything about Theophilus except the very little bit that Luke mentions. Luke is an educated man. He's precise and detailed in his account, and he provides it to Theophilus, evidently to confirm Theophilus's faith. And now we have, for the ages, this testimony of detail of Jesus and the early church. So there's, this is going to sound long, but don't, 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 don't worry. Don't get exasperated. I want to tell you seven brief things to be on the lookout for as we go through Acts. And um, if you're a writer, you, I'm going to go too fast probably to get them so you can go back and get the transcript or just sort of keep these in mind. Number one, for us, Acts shows the relationship of Christ to the Holy Spirit. Christ rules and works through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been given at Pentecost, and now for every believer, the Holy Spirit is, is the means by which Christ rules and works. Number two, to confirm that the gospel and therefore the church is for all people, for the Gentiles. In Acts we see, and we're going to see that today, the gospel is for all people, which was a radical idea. Number three, to show that Christianity is a continuation of Old Testament Israel. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob is the Christian God. Number four, the word of God spreads despite opposition. When we see opposition, we don't shrink back. In fact, we know that God cannot be stopped. And the testimony of Acts is to encourage us that as we see opposition, many things, even like Pastor Tom was praying, the word of God shall still spread. The gospel will spread. Number five, to encourage Christians to spread the gospel. All of us to be gospel spreaders. Number six, to give example of how the present church is to act by imitating the early church. So we see the church doing church and we learn from that. And number seven, to show God's divine guidance over history. God is sovereign over history, first to last, broad to detailed. Our God is sovereign. So keep these things in mind as we continue to walk through Acts together. 
And let me seek the Lord for all of us as we continue this morning. God, thank you that you're with us. You're for us. You're alive. You're not a dead statue made of stone or wood. You're not a tribal deity. You're the God of the universe who lacks nothing and has created us in your image. And though in our flesh we turn away, we're apathetic, we don't give you glory, you pursue us, redeem us, fill us with your spirit, and, and protect us, guide us to the end. I pray during this time that we might all grow together in grace. In Jesus' name, amen. My thesis is very simple. This is what I believe God has for us this morning from this text. The most seemingly exceptional among us can grow in our knowledge of the gospel with help from the most seemingly normal among us. Now you may put yourself in either category and that's okay. You may think I'm exceptional. (laughs) You might looked in the mirror this morning and said, there I am, I'm exceptional. (laughs) Most of you probably did not. You probably looked in the mirror and said, I'm just normal. And there's something for all of us here. The seemingly most exceptional among us can grow in our knowledge of the gospel with help from the seemingly most normal among us. We'll see that together. This text is separated into two sections. 18 to 23 deals with Paul kind of broadly in his journeys. And then... Um, 24 to 28 deal with primarily Apollos. So we're going to go, let's look at this together. So in, 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 um, we'll just walk, kind of walk through the text. Now, I would note that the geography can be confusing. If you're like me and you hear one of these cities and you go, I know I should know where that's at, but I can't. And then you, you're kind of looking at the, if you have one of these, I'm not, these aren't even that popular anymore to carry around physically. But I go, this, one of the most worn out places of this is this map in the back with Paul's missionary. I'm like, I don't know where Phrygia is. I know I've heard it 18 times, 1800 times. Don't feel bad about that. The point is not the geography. But knowing the geography is helpful. So I would encourage you to learn about it if you're not familiar, that familiar already. So it can be a bit confusing. We, we, we met, um, and we remind you, we met Priscilla and Aquila last week. Pastor Kenny introduced us to them. They're tent makers. They're just there in Corinth. Paul shows up and they're like, hey, we make tents too. And it was pretty common in that time, sort of like a guild or something. People had the same vocation, would gather together and even house together and do their work together. And so they invite Paul to live with them. Luke tells us that Paul has his haircut at Syncrie. This might cause some confusion for the modern reader. What kind of vow? He had it cut because of a vow. What's he talking about? Why would Paul do something so ritualistic as a Christian leader? I like how William Barclay describes this. He says, when a Jew particularly wanted to thank God for some blessing, he took the Nazarite vow from number six. If that vow was carried out in full, it meant for 30 days he neither ate meat or drank wine and he allowed his hair to grow. At the end of 30 days, he made certain offerings in the temple. His hair was cut, burned on the altar as an offering to God. 
No doubt Paul was thinking of all God's goodness to him in Corinth and took this vow to show gratitude. So when we see this vow, don't think of it as some departure from grace. It's simply an expression of gratefulness. Paul was not seeking to pay God back. He was not seeking to gain favor from God through this vow. He was participating in a, in, in a common thing to show his gratefulness to God for his ministry at Corinth, which had been incredibly fruitful and incredibly peaceful. We think about Paul and the lashings and the shipwrecks and the, he had this about year and a half time where it was pretty peaceful. And he decided one of the ways I'm going to, to show gratefulness to God is to do the, to the Nazarite vow. So we, continuing on, they came to Ephesus. So Paul, after this time in Corinth, crosses over the sea to Ephesus. And he, he takes Priscilla and Aquila with him. So they have become a like-minded ministry little team. They get to Ephesus. Paul does what he always does. He goes into the synagogue and reasons with the Jews, showing them from the Old Testament that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. And even on his way, so even on his way back to Jerusalem, he can't help but to go preach. So he's in Ephesus. So if, you, if you're looking this way, Ephesus is, uh, I mean, excuse me, Corinth is over here, cross the sea to Ephesus. And then continuing on, verse 20, they ask for him to stay for a longer period, but he, de- he declines and he leaves Priscilla and Aquila in Ephesus with the testimony that if God wills, he will return. And then he, he leaves. So Paul, so this is sort of like, Paul is, a, is the prominent figure in the second second half of the book of Acts. But here's a little interlude coming in which Paul sort of steps back to the background and Apollos steps to the foreground. Luke, so so as, as Paul makes his journey back towards Jerusalem and then back to Antioch and then begins his third missionary journey, he's basically covering over a thousand miles. This is not weeks or months, this is probably a few years And we get all this reported in a verse or two. So Luke's intention isn't for us to focus here, but to, to, here's what's going on with Paul, and now Apollo steps to the foreground. So let's, let's, so what I want to focus on here is mainly from 24 on. So let's look at verse 24. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus he was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. So we're introduced to Apollos. Alexandria is this. So if, if over here is Corinth where this begins, and then Paul and Priscilla and Aquila cross over the sea, and they come to Ephesus, and then Paul continue, continues on towards Syria, where Caesarea, Jerusalem, and then up to Antioch, across the Mediterranean Sea is Alexandria which is this prominent city. It's an amazing city in the ancient world. It's a principal city. It's a center of wealth, commerce, and education. Alexandria was one of three universities in the ancient world, along with Tarsus and Athens. It's a city of over one million Jews. So it's the largest concentration of, of Jews outside of Jerusalem and that area in one place. And the, the Jews from Alexandria were highly educated. They, this is where the Septuagint was 
was created, which is the Greek, the Greek version of the Old Testament. This is where um, the, the, the pinnacle of Jewish scholarship, they would know the Old Testament inside and out, backwards and forwards. And therefore, Apollos, as one of these Alexandrian Jews, would be, would be this would be characteristic for him. He would, he would know the Old Testament. And the thing about the, the Jews in this area and their worship is they looked at the Old Testament as historical fact, but also they looked for hidden meaning. What's the meaning behind that? What's the meaning behind the burning bush? What's the meaning behind all these stories? And so Apollos, as a one who's been instructed in the way of the Lord, is, is able to, to connect. I can tell you what the meaning behind the Old Testament is. I can tell you what the meaning of these stories are. They're of the new covenant. They're of the Messiah. They all point to one person. So he's, he's qualified in a great way to go reason with the Jews in Ephesus. So remember, Corinth to Ephesus, Paul and Priscilla and Aquila. Paul leaves, and now Apollos comes from Alexandria to Ephesus, and there they are together. And he's an eloquent man. He's competent in the, in the scriptures. He's been instructed in verse 25, in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. Hmm. <laughs> I kind of wondered, uh, when, when, when Pastor Kenny's assigning scriptures, I don't know what the other guys do. I always look and see what's going to be the hardest thing to explain. <laughs> First, I thought the Paul's vow no, no, this is, this is harder. So we're going to dig into this for a moment. But let's, let's just summarize what we know of Apollos. Number one, he's eloquent. A useful gift to be sure, but an insufficient one. Eloquence alone, no one ever came to Jesus because of someone's eloquence. Eloquence is a wonderful tool, but it's not decisive. It's not ultimate. But it's a wonderful gift. He's eloquent. He's competent in the scriptures. So again, he would have known the history of God's people and salvation from Adam through the prophets, the covenants of Noah, Abraham, Moses, and David. He knew the Old Testament. He was instructed in the way of the Lord. Christianity is commonly referred to as the way in Acts. At least six other times, the way is talking about not some kind of strange general idea. It's the gospel. The way of the Lord. To know him is to know him through Christ we don't know exactly how, but Apollos apparently makes the connection between the Old Testament and salvation through Jesus Christ. He's fervent in spirit. We think of Romans 12, 11. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. This, I just want to say, this doesn't mean loud or obnoxious. Some of us need to hear that message. To be fervent is not necessarily loud, and it's certainly not obnoxious. Those of you who know me, and I know a lot of you know me, you know that I'm mouthy. I like to talk. I like to say things. And I can be loud and obnoxious. That doesn't mean I'm fervent. My wife is the opposite of me. Nobody wants to marry themselves. I married a woman who's calm and steady, and she is fervent in the Lord. So don't mistake here eloquence or boldness necessarily with fervency. 
This, but this man is fervent in the Lord. He speaks and teaches the way of the Lord accurately. What a commendation from Luke. So his understanding of the Old Testament and the new covenant realities, he speaks accurately. He's not a cult leader. He's, however, he's limited in that he only knows the baptism of John. What does this mean? Well, this will be addressed in greater detail next week from Pastor Kenny. Not to pass the buck, but it's just talked about more, and that's not my job this week. But let's say a few things. Number one, the baptism of John refers to the ministry of John the Baptist who preached the kingdom of God through the message of repentance, and he recognized Jesus as the Messiah. But the way more accurately seems to be that that Priscilla and Aquila taught him, we'll talk about that, we'll look at that in just a moment, but, but, to, but to summarize this point would be number one, God's way of salvation has expanded through the gospel beyond the Jews and is for all peoples. So you could look at the Old Testament and see Christ, Jesus the Christ, as the Jesus the Messiah fulfilling the Old Testament promises and prophecy of Christ, but not understand, you could still miss it, that in the new covenant, all peoples are included. So that's, that's probably or possibly one of the ways that Priscilla and Aquila teach Apollos more accurately. Secondly, that the Holy Spirit has been poured out on every believer so that they can preach the good news. The priesthood is no longer a tribe a select group, the priesthood is every believer. That right there is enough to praise God and be filled with truth. The priesthood is of all believers. Every believer, a priest unto our God. Meaning, in the sense that, able to proclaim the excellencies of the one true holy God who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. When you go from this place, wherever God takes you, and it may seem so trivial, but it's not for you to proclaim his excellencies, to proclaim the way of salvation through Jesus. Not restricted to a Levitical order, expanded, exploded to every believer. There's more speculation about this. Luke doesn't go into detail. Um, But I, I offer that to you for your consideration. Let's look at verse 26. So he begins to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. This is amazing. By the way, interestingly, this, this text, there's not, a lot of, there's not a lot of preaching out there on this text. As far as I could tell in looking, I don't think Pastor John ever preached this particular passage. Uh, Spurgeon never preached this particular passage that I could find. When you go through and like look up sermons on Acts, it'll be like, you know, they kind of stop at 17 and they pick back up at 19. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly why. It could be because it seems so routine. It just, you know, Paul went here and did this and then that and then, and then Apollos and then back to Paul. It's like, no, no, no. 
All right, I'm going to try something here that's, uh, I don't know if this is going to work, but I like Star Wars. I'm not, an ex- I'm not an expert at it. But I think like the story row one, it's like this extra story over here. And it's almost like the, in the narrative of Star Wars, you stop for a minute, you go over here, there's these characters, then you get back on board and you keep going. That's sort of what's going on here. It's like Paul, his amazing ministry, all this stuff happens. And then, uh, you know, he takes off for Syria. We're going to look at Apollos here for a minute. And brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit inspired Luke to record this for our benefit for this moment. (laughs) Because God's sovereign overall. For lots of moments, including this one. You're here right now so that we can look at this ministry of Apollos and Priscilla and Achilla and learn. And so he begins to speak boldly in the synagogue. This man who's eloquent, this man who knows the Old Testament, this man who teaches the way accurately, he speaks boldly in the synagogue. Thank you, Apollos. Come from Alexandria. Preach the gospel. And then Priscilla and Achilla, who are sitting there, kind of like some of you are sitting there. And this is what, I don't, we don't know for sure, but I, I think they probably kind of, you know, it's like, yes, amen. And then he says a few things, and then they look at each other. Uh, we ought to talk to him. <laughs> Not heretic. Please don't do that. Come up and talk to me. Not emails and Facebook posts. Just brother. I would imagine, this is total speculation, take it or leave it. They're all standing around afterwards. Priscilla and Achilla walk up to him. Thank you. Thank you for bringing your wonderful gifts and using them to proclaim the glory of our God. Thank you so much for expounding on the way of the Lord. We have a few things that could we talk to you about just to maybe even strengthen that message all the more? This humble, respectful, loving, truthful, because it says they took him aside. I don't know why like Luke puts that there. <laughs> they took him aside. They didn't want to shame him, embarrass him, or show how much better they were. So one, one need not be fully trained to testify of the saving power of Jesus Christ. I think of the blind man in John 9. <laughs> I went back and read that. I, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to be laughing, but I'm, I, I always get tickled by John 9. This, this man gets from, blind from birth, gets healed, and the Pharisees, you know, we know he's a sinner. Say it. I don't know. <laughs> All I know is I was blind and now I see. So Apollos is amazingly trained and he still, he still needs help. Number, let me, so here's some observations. Number two, no matter how gifted one is and how much knowledge one has, there is always room to grow. We never stop growing. We are being conformed to his image, sanctified for all the days of our lives doesn't matter how much you esteem a Christian leader. There's always room to grow. And how does that happen? We help each other. We're all in on this. From the highest to the lowest. From the oldest to the youngest. From the richest to the poorest. We're all in this together. Priscilla and Achilla are blessed by his preaching. They pull him aside so he could excel all the more in proclaiming Christ. 
So here's some observations about that. Number one, they did not correct him or shame him publicly. They desired to help him in his ministry to make Jesus known. The point was not to establish themselves as his superior, but to help him teach the way of God, the gospel with more accuracy. That's what we're always doing for each other. And that could come from anywhere. Number two, Priscilla is a woman. Christian discipleship that is growing as a follower of Jesus is not limited by age, gender, life status, profession, education. Now I'm going to say something here. Some would make this the point of the passage. It isn't the point of the passage. Luke isn't trying to make a statement about Priscilla being a woman. Uh, Some would make that the point of the passage, and others would go through hermeneutical gymnastics to disclaim that. And some of you, some, some listening, some of you possibly in this room, like that's where you're at right now in your heart. I just, it's just kind of where we are. And I just want to plead with you. Don't get sidetracked from the point of the text by your personal desire and burden. So some would be like, you know, here it is. <laughs> Women should be elders. Here it is. <laughs> and others would be like, make sure you make, they, don't, they understand women shouldn't be elders. It's like that, that's, Luke isn't putting this here to testify that women should be elders or to make sure we know that women shouldn't be elders. He's just telling us what's up. And what's up is Priscilla and Aquila pull aside Apollos, this incredibly powerful, gifted teacher of the way, and instruct him even more accurately. That's just what's going on. I don't, we don't, there's not more for you or us in that. That's what's happening. Don't miss the point of the passage because of your desire to advance a bias. I got to guard that in my heart. You got to guard that in your heart all the time reading the Bible. Cults start because people have a personal agenda and bias and they go find a verse in the Bible and they use that to show, to reinforce their error. And we will, by God's grace, be true to the text. What are you saying, God? And what are you saying to us? It's a simple reality that Priscilla has the Holy Spirit and gifts of the discipleship along with her husband, and she uses them to help a brother. Isn't that awesome? I don't know how many times my wife and I, by God's grace, have been used to help a brother. I don't know how many times I, by God's grace, have been helped by a woman or by a woman and her husband. It's just, we're in this together, y'all. We're in this together. 27, and when he wished across to Achaia, so back to Corinth, he wants to go back where Corinth is, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. I gotta be honest with you. When I get corrected, there's this thing in me that wants to fight to the surface to show that I'm right and you're wrong. I just, I'm just being honest. I think, I think it's a little better now than when I was 25, but I'm not quite there yet. But the example of Apollos, <laughs> it's just awesome. He's in the synagogue and he's preaching and he's doing a good job, but he needs to do a better job. And God prompts through the Holy Spirit, Priscilla and Achilla, to help him. And the next thing we get is he goes and does a better job. Man, that's life together right there. That's life together. Because he heads, 
I mean, his burden is to go to Corinth. He could have been, my guess, my guess is Apollos was, had means because he's able to travel and preach. And it doesn't say anything about him being a tent maker. We don't know how he got the money. He just shows up um, in Ephesus. Doesn't say anything about how that's financed. I even imagine that he's handsome. I don't know if that's true, but just it's in my head. <laughs> like Apollos is larger than life. He's just a stud. He's the kind of person you stand by and go, wow, they are impressive. <laughs> and this tent maker, woman and man, pull him aside and tell him how he needs to improve his preaching. This tent maker, I think that's a bigger deal than the woman thing. I really do. They make tents. They work at holiday. Which is an honorable thing. But nobody's, nobody's talking about how great they are. And he receives the instruction. And the, the, the fruit of it, this is like if it was a movie, I'm going to Corinth. Like I want to go where Paul was. I want to go where they, the Jews rose up because I got to tell them, brethren, Jesus is the Christ. I got to go. And the brothers say, go. So 28, he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. And much of that power was due to the ministry of Priscilla and Aquila, who instructed him in the way more accurately. Because the most seemingly exceptional among us can grow in our knowledge of the gospel with help from the most seemingly normal among us. You feel normal? Most of you do. I'm just normal. Oh, how God might use your normal knowledge of the gospel to help spread the gospel through your life and through your discipleship. It's all about the gospel. We know that first to last. I'd like to, I'd like to kind of finish up here with some encouragement to you. I asked some of our, because uh, I think Pastor Chuck had mentioned it. Um, and and uh, Darren Brink, one of our elders who preached um, a few weeks ago, mentioned the... Um, the ministry that we have to each other among us. So I, 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 I talked to uh, one of our campus outreach staff at the University of Minnesota who told me about uh, an Indian student that has been connecting with the students at the university. He wants to talk about the gospel. His primarily, primary friends are Christians. Right now, he's reading More Than a Carpenter with a group of Christians. I was going to say his name, and I, I realize that's probably not wise. Um, his, I can't remember if it's his, one of his parents is an atheist, the other is a devoted Hindu. Your ministry to each other has strengthened these staff and students to go. You might not know how. There's another student who's from Iran. Quote, I want to be a Christian. Islam is not working for me, and I don't think it's right. He said, I wish I had a Bible in Farsi. 
One of our seminary students' son speaks Farsi, connected with this student. He said, there is a Bible in Farsi. I saw them in room 112 uh, in the spring. He had his green Farsi Bible in his hand. It's a ministry of students and staff among us. I talked to the staff guy at St. Thomas. He said that three freshmen, three freshmen men and one junior female girl had come to Christ this year, like transferred out from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Two students are, have graduated and either, either eager to give their life away in the workplace. Several students are going through a Bible study he put together with non-Christians. So you've helped equip and support a staff person who's helped disciple some students who have now graduated and are now going through a Bible study, an evangelistic Bible study with some non-Christians. That, that's just what God's doing among us. I got to say this last one. I texted my son yesterday. For those of us who have children, you know, you'd, you'd sell it all for them to know Jesus. We, it's, a, it's a strange emotional thing. It's a strange place to be. You could have all of it, but you, you'd give all of that away so that your, your children would know the Lord. It's just, it's not even a hard, not even a hard decision. So my son, we have five children. Our youngest is with Campus Outreach down in South Carolina. And uh, I got a text from him. And, you know, teenagers, just know that your parents love to get a text from you. Just anything. I had a hamburger today. Thanks. love hearing from them. So my son texts me, when you come down, <laughs> it's not that big a deal, sorry. When you come down, we should study the Bible one of the mornings. And I responded, that would be great. What book are you studying this summer? He said, First Peter, and I've loved every second of it. Definitely a highlight of the day. I just have to say thank you to my church family who's had a part in my son's desire to know the Lord. Because, and most of you, and maybe all of you, you're not exceptional. You're just normal. But even the most seemingly exceptional among us can grow in our knowledge of the gospel with help from the most seemingly normal among us. So I praise God for all you normal people because God has such work so that the plain, simple, eternity-changing, death-defeating, Satan-silencing, world-overcoming, sin-cleansing, church-healing, relationship-reconciling gospel is preached. So I asked Pastor Chuck if we could sing to that end. I invite you to stand. I'll pray for us. God, thank you that you work such that you receive the glory. Oh, I pray for the people who are gifted in this life, who think they are something, when in and of themselves they are nothing, who think they have when they actually have not, who think, who think their words and their deeds shine 
when apart from the gospel, they are only tarnished. And I praise you for those among us who are just regular people, who, who would have felt more comfortable chatting with Priscilla and Aquila, probably, than Apollos, who might have felt intimidated by Apollos, but would have, would have helped stitch those tents together. And these normal people testifying to the goodness and grace and power of God in Christ are, are working. You are working by the power of your spirit through, through us for your glory and the, and the spread of the gospel. And we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church or write us at 720-13th Avenue South, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55415. Bethlehem Baptist Church, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples, through Jesus Christ.